This is Make Yourself at Home, a podcast from BizNow where we talk about the pandemic's impact on real estate and the people that work within it. I'm Miriam Hall. I'm BizNow's New York reporter. This week, we're speaking with Jeffrey DeBoer, the CEO of the Real Estate Roundtable, a DC-based organisation that represents over 100 real estate companies across the country. Jeffrey, who's testifying before the Senate Banking Committee next week, is one of the industry's most influential lobbyists in the nation's capital. I started by asking him how he's going to approach pushing the real estate agenda after Labor Day in regards to the next coronavirus relief bill, considering the fact Congress will only be in for one month before the election, plus an agreement on government funding needs to be reached before September 30 or there'll be a government shutdown. Well, we will continue to press uh, what we have pressed from day one, which is uh, help for struggling Americans and struggling American businesses that have been negatively impacted by uh, by the by the virus. Frankly, uh, it may seem odd, and it may seem uh, like I'm saying two different things. But on the one hand, uh, Congress and the administration have acted quite boldly and quite deeply and quite quickly uh, to provide the relief that they've done so far. Um, And without that relief, I think the economic situation would be much, much worse than it is today. Having said that, is that enough? Or should there be more uh, help from Washington uh, to troubled businesses and people? And the answer, obviously, is yes, there should be. And so... um, uh, you know, the question is how much more, in what areas, and what's the timing of that? Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, they're competing concerns and competing uh, politics, frankly, of of who wants to accomplish something or, or not accomplish something. But, um, uh, you know, I, how will they get it done? Well, they work best with their back up against the wall. And so I'm anticipating that something will be done. Advocacy continues. The policy and the politics conflicts continue. And uh, we just have to realize those are realities and go forward and try to come up with as thoughtful and meaningful policy as possible working with members of Congress. Let's get specific if you can. Realistically, what are you hoping to get out of this next bill when and if it comes together? I know that there were elements of the PPP loan program you didn't like. Um, And like many in real estate, you favour rental assistance over eviction moratoriums. What's your hope for this next agreement? Well, again, I hope that, that more assistance can be provided. Let's talk on the individual side. Um, that that I'm hopeful that we can find a way to uh, continue federal support for uh, the millions of people who have lost their jobs due to COVID. So in, like in the and unemployment checks, is that what you mean? Unemployment checks, uh, yes. Uh, $600, very helpful. is that, is that Well, some amount needs definitely needs to be provided. Um, the PPP itself was in many ways an unemployment program because the funds went to small businesses who were then encouraged, strongly encouraged to spend that money on payroll, even though people weren't working. And so, you know, there's a variety of things that Congress has done 
and the administration have done to help those who lost their jobs. Um, and the idea originally was that that assistance would be there as a bridge to the time when the economy returned and jobs returned. Clearly, that's not the case. The bridge got people several months, you know, uh, across the canyon, if you want to say it that way. But the canyon is still out of reach for so many people. And so we will continue to support those programs that help people who have lost their jobs uh, so that they can continue to take care of their families and meet their basic obligations. We will also be suggesting that a more robust rental assistance program should be set up where uh, individuals and businesses who can demonstrate that the COVID situation has either cost them their job or they have had a dramatic decline in their income if they're a business because of this. And those troubled, impacted uh, businesses and people should be able to access a rental fund, which is something that we're uh, suggesting be um, be set up. We're also advocating that, uh, and we know that businesses, small and large, are going to be and are already spending significant sums in terms of keeping their buildings and facilities um, as healthy and uh, welcoming as possible for a returning workforce. Those uh, expenses are quite high, and we're urging that there be a temporary tax credit or tax deduction or something that would help mitigate the expenses. We're also supporting um, uh, some roadmap on liability protection because, um, as we know, um, people don't really know exactly what they should be doing or shouldn't be doing in terms of a healthy environment for people that they come in contact with in their businesses. And if people don't know what they should be doing and they're afraid that if they don't do the right thing, they'll be sued, uh, then a lot of times businesses might not do anything and might not reopen. And so we're urging that there be some sort of temporary roadmap or shield or um, a guidelines or something that would basically say that if a business is following these rules and doing these things, it's not opening itself up to being sued by someone who does get uh, sick. Um, so like an office opening up, they know that they can't be sued, sued by an employee or, or a shop opening right. up. Right. I mean, if, 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 yes, what, right. what is a reasonable thing that you're supposed to be doing as a business owner? If you do, if you do those reasonable things, but you don't do the extra extraordinary thing, whatever that might be, you, know, you perhaps you shouldn't be sued for that. Just like in normal cases, if you're not, if you're undertaking the normal precautions to protect people, you're you're typically not opening yourself up for liability. It is only when you engage in negligence or um, gross negligence or some other willful misconduct that you're liable for to be sued on these occasions. But in this situation, people do not really know what is a reasonable thing to do and what isn't a reasonable thing to do. And what is, and so we need some protections there. And it's not just real estate owners. This, this applies to schools and hospitals and colleges and universities and 
almost in transportation, airline, the airline industry, the the subways. Everyone needs to know what is expected of them. And if we know what's expected of us, uh, we will do it. And then we don't expect to be sued for not doing something that wasn't expected of us. So liability protection, you know, liability protection, some assistance in uh, keeping facilities clean and healthy, uh, some more assistance and continued assistance to businesses and um, and people who have been harmed in this uh, situation uh, is warranted. And um, and by the way, very few people disagree with, with the general things of what I'm saying here. There's some of the details that people can pick apart and find problems with, but in general, those themes are themes that Democrats, Republicans, people in Congress and people of the administration generally are, are adhering to. So you still don't support moratoriums on evictions, right? But there is actually a federal moratorium on evictions in place that was announced today until the end of the year uh, for renters who've been affected by the pandemic. So your hope that uh, eviction moratoriums will not extend is officially dead, is it not? What does that mean for you? I mean, what, do you, what are you going to push now considering that announcement? Well, we, uh, it's not that we have been, uh, well, let me put it to you this way. We don't support an eviction moratorium in general. Um, people should uh, meet their obligations, and if they don't meet their obligations, then there is a penalty for that, just like you have to pay for your shoes at a store when you buy them. You don't just walk out with them. You have a obligation to pay for them. On the other hand, this is an ex- a very unusual circumstance, and and I think that landlords all across the country understand that people are in trouble. And my uh, information is that most landlords, the vast majority of landlords, are working with their uh, tenants uh, on uh, restructuring their rent payments and uh, and so forth and are not looking to evict uh, people. Um, That is not the desire of any building owner. Uh, Some of the earlier eviction moratoriums were eviction moratoriums that applied to all residents, not just those that were impacted by uh, uh, COVID. And so you had a situation that was quite disturbing, really, to the industry, which is Basically, if there's a moratorium on evictions, then why pay your rent? And um, so we have been urging, if there is going to be a moratorium on evictions, there should certainly be a requirement that the moratorium only apply to those residences, residents who have been impacted and can demonstrate that they are in economic problems because of the virus. And it should not apply to uh, you or I or other people who have who are in the same situation that we always were in terms of our our income. And so, uh, that, with, that that is basically what the the executive order yesterday said. Okay, so you're happy with the executive order of yesterday? Well, I'm not I mean, happy, happy with not it. <laughs> I'm not happy, happy not with it. Right, but I, I, no, I think that you're I think that it is. It. No, I believe that. Well, we don't rail anyway. But it, it, we, we think that it, it, you know, it makes much more sense if you're going to have a moratorium on enforcing a private contract, 
and that's what a lease is, a private contract, if all of a sudden the federal government is going to come in and say, we don't enforce those contracts anymore, at a minimum, that that rule should only apply to people who have been impacted by the uh, virus, and that is what the executive order does. Part two, though, it's not a long-term solution to the problem. You can have moratoriums on evictions all you want, but it does not solve the basic problem. And so part two is the need to establish a rent assistance program. There should be a, if there is a moratorium on eviction, there should also be an attempt by the federal government to provide uh, assistance to the to, to renters uh, who are out there who can't pay their rent. And so there's two sides of, of, of the problem. And again, moratoriums on evictions, uh, all it does is rack up the, it's not like you don't have to pay the rent, it just means you don't pay the rent during the moratorium. And at some point in time, the moratorium ends, at which point these people will have a large slug of rent that is due. And most people will not be able to pay that rent. The problems of the health crisis need to be socialized. Is there anyone putting together a rental assistance program that you think is going to work? Do you like? Well, in the in the House bill that passed uh, in summertime in late June, I believe the uh, so-called Heroes Act. Mm-hmm. There okay. is a there's a 175 billion dollar residential renter assistance fund in that bill that passed the House of Representatives, it a similar proposal to that uh, part of the bill uh, is advancing in the Senate. It's got about 30 or 35 uh, senators on it in the Senate. And, um, and it's more, it's, it probably would work. I mean, it's certainly a, a, a good effort and it just simply needs to be uh, expended uh, on the business side um, and, and eligibility requirements, who would get this, and all that kind of stuff, or details that would need to be worked out. But, um, but it's certainly uh, in the air. And by the way, uh, yesterday afternoon, um, after the executive order on um, uh, uh, the moratorium on evictions came out, uh, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, uh, basically said in many ways, in her, in her own way, what I just said, which is moratorium on evicting people who have economic problems due to COVID is a good thing. Okay, fine. But it does not long-term solve the problem. We need rental assistance. And so, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of agreement around the general uh, goal here, I would say. You said that there's, you said broadly that everyone has the kind of same goals and same ideas, regardless of what side of the aisle they're on. But Pelosi has said that both sides are miles apart on values and they're miles apart on money. I mean, the Democrats are talking about $2 trillion as the lowest amount they will accept. When you take the meetings and you have the calls, socially distance, of course, like how, what do you tell people? Um, in terms of kind of bringing these two things together, these two well, sides together? Again, I, I, I think that there is broad agreement that um, uh, cities and states need more help. I think there's broad agreement that schools need help. I think there's broad agreement that 
troubled individuals uh, who have lost their jobs need help and businesses need help. Um, I think that those things are are universally agreed to. The differences are uh, really uh, how much help do each one of those sectors need, who's eligible in each one of those sectors for help, um, and uh, and then after those things are agreed to, then it gets into some of these extraneous things that both sides keep trying to stick on to a bill that is designed just for um, COVID relief. So when I say things are universally agreed, I'm talking about the principles they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for example, on state uh, and local assistance, I believe that the president and the Republicans have put um, maybe 100 or 150 billion on the table in addition to the 150 that has already been uh, in earlier bills to state and local governments and uh and the uh and speaker pelosi is asking for roughly a trillion so i mean okay they both agree to it the difference is 150 versus a trillion that is not insurmountable a problem to tackle it's a it's a math problem basically and the same goes on in all of these other uh, issue uh, issue areas. Um, so, uh, you, you know, I, I think that that if people would set aside some of their um, extraneous items, and if they would if they would agree to compromise on their numbers, I think that there could be a another bill before the election. I am optimistic on that and hopeful on it. It's certainly needed and we're certainly supporting the process to get to a point where uh, a positive bill can occur. Speaking of the election, we're less than two months away from it now. Both conventions are done. I believe back in July or so you were predicting Biden would take it. What do you think now as we sit here talking just before Labor Day? Well, um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I was asked in July, I guess you're referring to a question I received uh, that got some publicity, uh, who would win? And mm-hmm. and I said, um, if the election were today, I, I said that uh, his, uh, Vice President Biden would win. But I also said the election's not held today. And there's a lot of time between now and then, and we don't know what will happen. So, um, what if the election were held today then? Uh, well, if the election were held today, I think it's a much uh, closer um, on the result. Now, next week, it might not be. I mean, all I do is look at the at the polls. Um, now, will they stay narrow next week or in the following weeks? Will they narrow further? Uh, I don't know. But... Uh, again, if you just looked at the polls in July and you ask a question, who's going to win? Well, I, I, I mean, I guess the guy ahead is going to win. As the polls have narrowed, you know, you ask the question again and you say, well, uh, it still looks like the guy who was ahead is going to win, but it's narrowing. And I don't know what that means out there, but it means that an arrow is going in one person's direction and against another person's direction. Is that a trend? Is that that will continue? Is that an aberration? We don't know. I don't know. I don't. It's not my business. I don't know. 
I mean, no one can predict, but from what I understand from what you're saying is if it were today, it would be Biden, but it would be close. You're basing that on polls. Yeah. Yeah. How has the industry digested Biden's announcements um, as they've come out recently? I mean, he said he'd drastically change 1031 exchange program, capping it for people who earn 400000 or less. He's hinted at reforms to um, opportunity zones. Um, he said he'd reinstate a fair housing policy that Trump has killed. How does the industry kind of view those sorts of policies, announcements, ideas? Well, I think, um, you know, I don't, I'm not alarmed by it. Uh, and I'm not comforted by what anyone else says about it. I think that, uh, you know, laws are laws until they're not laws. And all laws are constantly being reviewed and reformed and sometimes repealed. Um, and, you know, as uh, as debates go forward, you know, we will we will make our case, and as the evidence presents on different uh, on different uh, issues, and you know, if in fact um, uh, you know some of these tax rules that you talk about are not beneficial to jobs and beneficial to communities and beneficial to uh, economic growth, if that is indeed the case then um maybe they should be changed so we we have we have an open mind about all of this we're not dug in on 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 any any of it but most laws are laws that are in place because there has been a serious review of um either an economic situation or a market condition or a or or product condition that needs to either be stimulated or penalized and most of these things are in law for a, for a particular reason and um sometimes the reason may have changed and, but most times it hasn't so we'll we'll look forward to those discussions when and when and if they when and if they occur if Biden did win, win it would be a bit of a change for the industry wouldn't it i mean going from having a real estate man in the white house i know you said that you can only go off polls but you you have some greater insight into what people are talking about. Can you give me a sense of that, about what real estate people are saying when they're not talking to reporters about what they want or who they want, who they think they should win? Like, what are they saying kind of, you know, typically we'd say around the water cooler, but obviously that's not happening right now. But, you know, what are well, the discussions that are, what are you hearing from people? Lift a lid a little bit for us. Well, I think that, I think that everyone needs to step back and realize that, uh, realize that that people in the real estate business are first of all people and like all people they all have different points of view and 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 different things drive them to support a different party and different candidates and so around the water cooler with um, real estate CEOs is really not much different than being around the water cool, cooler with any subgroup of Americans. And they would be, some would be expressing dismay at, um, at uh, policies that uh, the president has promoted, and some would express dismay at the policies that are being talked about by the vice president uh, running, now running for president. Um, 
and some would be hyperbolic about being concerned about this little issue or that little issue and and it's no different it's really no different um than what people will hear or you would hear um from any group of 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 clear-eyed uh people out there um it's not uh, so in other words i wouldn't say that the in- excuse me i would not say that the industry is cheering on one side or the other. I think that the industry is reflective of the overall um, um, electorate out there. And some are cheering on one side and some are cheering on the other side. And at the end of the game, in this case, an election, you know, we will work with whoever it is and whichever party is in control to try and, and, and make sure that the policies that apply to real estate are as reasonable and responsible over the long term as possible. And we will be supportive of other economic policies, broader policies that we think will bolster job growth and the economy. And then finally, I, I do want to say that we, uh, and maybe this is something that we didn't do before, uh, as much as we should have, and we we are doing it now, and intend to do it going forward, and that is making sure that what we're advocating or talking about is also uh, provides opportunities and open um, open opportunities for um, minorities, people of, of color, uh, women-owned businesses, veteran-owned businesses, and so not just a policy that should be pursued because it's a good policy, but what does that policy mean for those who might need a little bigger boost in in terms of having opportunities um, to grow their business or to develop a business or something like that. And um, all of these things are almost irrelevant to um, who is uh, who's in the White House.